This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 39 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week as we talk about the mental side of sports on this show. And I look forward to doing the show with you every week as we get into discussions about your mindset, your attitude, your focus, sportsmanship, mental preparation. <clears throat> Excuse me. What kind of attitude do you have? Is it positive or negative? Where's your confidence level? You know, last week we talked about building or destroying confidence. Young, young athletes have had a number of calls this week from people about that. And, you know, the, the purpose of this show is to help you be the best you can be. I'm in my 40th year of work as a sports psychologist and been here at Sports Radio 810 WHB for 19 years. been on the radio for 29 years here in Kansas City. Our shows are podcasted and rebroadcast around the country throughout the week. And I, I really enjoy doing this show because I'm in the profession of helping people and like to help you deal with whatever you have to deal with. And, you know, sports is in full swing now. We've got football going on at the collegiate level as well as at the NFL level. The NBA is getting into the finals. The NHL is in the finals. Soccer is going on. Tennis and golf are going on. So all the sports are pretty much back up. How safe is it? We don't know. We're going to find out. I mean, obviously the NBA and MLS have, and the WNBA have done their seasons in the, in the bubble, and it's made it safe. But we're still seeing a lot of <coughs> athletes now testing positive for coronavirus. Uh, there are games that are being canceled. So safety is, is so important right now. And I want to encourage everyone to, you know, be sure you're doing what you should be doing to be safe and take care of yourself and the people around you. Today I want to get into a topic that I've talked about many times in terms of the context of what we talk about. And it's, it's mental preparation. How do you get ready to play? You know, I started doing this profession back in the 70s when I was in grad school, and I've talked about it many times. I took a class in my graduate school, California School of Professional Psychology. I was in a year-round program for five straight years. In my second year, there was a class called Sports Psychology. There were about eight people in the class, taught by Dr. Robert Nidefer. And his book, The Inner Athlete, was our textbook, which went down to the beach and read. called him up that night and said, this is what I want to do. And one of the things that I was very intrigued about in the book, there were, there were a lot of areas talking about mental preparation, visual, visualization, um, different, different ways to get prepared. And to be very honest with you, I, I grew up playing tennis. I played a lot of sports, but tennis was my main sport. You know, I get in the car, get to the court, hit some shots, and start the game. 
didn't really think about mental preparation. It wasn't something that, to be honest with you, I'd ever really been taught. Because to be honest with you, not many people really talked about it. You know, you need to get there and stretch out and then get ready to play. Warm up, hit some shots, and go. And then I'm sitting there thinking, in grad school, what about what about mentally? And in the book, Dr. Dr. Nottifer talked about his experience in our class, about a lot of the work he had done while he was in the Navy. He learned about concentration skills and preparation, and, and he became trained in Aikido, one of the Japanese martial arts. And how important getting your mind ready was was to him. And as I started looking into this, I realized, you know what? This, this makes such a huge difference. What do you do mentally to get ready? So that's what I want to talk about today. And I want to open up our phone lines and like to hear from you. And tell, tell me, number one, do you do anything mentally to get ready to play? If you're a coach, what do you encourage your team to do mentally before a game? What do you encourage your athletes to do mentally before they play? You know, it's early, but I'd love to get some calls in here. And hear from you. If you're a coach, what do you do mentally to help your athletes get ready? What do you encourage them to do? If you're an athlete, how do you get mentally prepared? You know, I have a saying, you can have two athletes who are physically the same, but the one with the stronger mind will be the one who'll come out on top. So how do you get mentally prepared? Visualization is something I've talked about for years. Now, the, the term now is, is, is mindfulness. That's, that's the, the, the big sexy term, mindfulness. Do you get your mind ready? If you're going to give a speech, do you practice the speech beforehand? If you're going to take a test, do you get prepared beforehand? What do you do mentally to get ready? And in sports, it's, it's maybe more important. One of the things that I talk with so many athletes about in terms of preparation is relaxation. Not just mentally relaxing, but physically relaxing as well. Getting your mind and body in sync. There are exercises on my website that I've used for years, right? relaxation and visualization exercises, and they have four parts. There's the first part's where you lay down a place where you won't be disturbed, and I get you to relax and focus on your breathing. I count from one to five and eventually get you to close your eyes and reach the number five. Now that you're focusing on your breathing and just slowing down your heart rate, then we get you to go through a what's called a progressive muscle relaxation exercise where you flex and relax your muscles starting at your head, working all the way down to your feet one section at a time. The purpose of this is two, twofold. Number one, it will relax you right there, but it will also, and, and, and maybe more importantly, make you aware of tension when you're competing. You know, we all get tense at some, some time at some point in your athletic event. And by becoming aware of that tension, if you notice, especially in your neck and shoulders, you flex up and relax those muscles with deep breath using breathing, using your breathing. It's very, very beneficial. And now that you're physically relaxed, then I have you imagine yourself on a beach on a tropical island walking along this beach and you'll come to a large golden door. 
and open up that door. And behind that door is in your mind is going to be the most positive contemplation you've ever been. On my exercise, I have music that comes on. You go into this place, shut the door, and you're in this special place feeling positive and confident about yourself where I say a lot of positive, confident things. And then you leave there and go to your athletic event, performing to your potential. Visualize, picture your, in your mind yourself performing to your potential. Then I have you finish that up, successfully completing your event. Then you wake back up. I count backwards from five to one. You're laying on the beach and you wake back up. The purpose of this is to get yourself physically and mentally prepared before you compete. A lot of people like to do this the night before. A lot of people like to do this right before they go compete. Everybody's different. But it's getting yourself into the mindset of being prepared. So if you're a coach, you know, what do you do to get your athletes ready? Mentally, what do you do? You try and pump them up? Do you try and calm them down? Everybody's different. You know, if it's a team, you gotta get everybody together on the same page. And I know working with many, many athletes and for the many years I was a Kansas City Royal psychologist, you know, I'd watch how guys would get ready in the locker room before games. And a lot of them work with me on this exercise. A lot of guys that sit in their locker, you know, after batting practice come in and typically in Major League Baseball, the way it works, once you come in from batting practice and infield and, and outfield work, around six o'clock of the games at seven, you've got about an hour. So guys will get something to eat, They'll change, get their uniform on, game uniform on from their warm-ups. And most guys will take some time to relax and get their mind ready. You know, several guys went through the exercise that I used. Some very prominent guys did it a lot. Said it really helped them to just get themselves focused. Because let's face it, if you're an athlete, you have to deal with a lot of different things today, especially, especially now with this pandemic and all the distractions that are going on. I know with many of the NFL players I work with, they're talking to me about playing in empty stadiums. One, one guy's played in a stadium where they had some fans and a stadium where they didn't have any fans the first two games. And he said, you know what, Doc, after a few minutes, it was no big deal. I just focused on, on I don't care about the, the crowd. But it was weird to hear everything from the other sideline because there was no other sound. They didn't pump any sound in the stadium. So it was weird to hear what the other guys on the other sideline were talking about. In all my years of playing football, I'd never had that before. But we had talked about that. And he said the fact that we'd prepared for that was really important. You know, when it comes to getting, pre getting prepared, it's just so important to get your mind ready. So I'd like to hear from you. How do you get mentally prepared to compete? If you're a coach, what do you do with your team before a game? What do you say to your team? If you're an athlete, are there any specific things you do? Are there some mindfulness relaxation exercises you use? I'd like to hear from you. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Give me a call and let's talk. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, 
learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad. How do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. Olivia, from Washington. <clears throat> Laid off and trying to keep our little kids from realizing that mommy and daddy haven't eaten in a while. Roger, from California. I'm grateful we could afford our son's surgery. I'm nervous that now we can't really afford food. Daniel, from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Donna from Louisiana. The storm just hit, and we went from donating to the food bank to needing it. Keisha from South Carolina. I've been skipping meals so my two kids can eat, but filling up on water doesn't really work. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council.
This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. And today's topic is mental preparation. I've been talking about what do you do to get ready to play? And I discussed, you know, the relaxation and visualization exercise I use with a lot of athletes. And, you know, like I said, you can have two athletes who are physically the same, but the one with a stronger mind will come out on top. How do you have a stronger mind? Well, there are a lot of components to that. But one of the most important aspects of that is preparing. Now, you know, the term today, like I said, the big term today is mindfulness. We hear that all the time. That word sort of just appeared about four or five years ago. It's, it's preparation, getting your mind ready. And, you know, now we're seeing athletes talk about preparation. We're seeing athletes and hearing them talk about how they got ready. You know, when you listen after a game to the interviews with, with collegiate or professional athletes, a lot of them will talk about their confidence and their focus, but it's all predetermined by how they got prepared. They'll talk about, well, we were ready. I was ready for this. You know, I know they, they were tough. I had to be really focused on myself. I had to get myself in the right mindset. Now, years ago, there was a major league baseball player. I'm at batting practice. And this guy, really good hitter. And he comes out of the cage, BP, and he says, Doc, I suck. I'm terrible. I can't hit. So what do you mean you can't hit? He says, you know what it's like to get get in the get in the, that box? I said, no, I've never been in the box of Major League game. He said, well, I get in that box. And in Kansas City, the scoreboard has every stat, as, as I assume most scoreboards do now. This is quite a while ago. He goes, every stat's up there. And I see my average, 227. I suck. And when I come up to bat, I'm just thinking about that. And I look up there and I said, well, let me ask you a question. When you come up to bat, aren't you supposed to be looking at the pitcher and not the scoreboard? And he looked at me, and I wasn't being sarcastic. I was being serious. And he looked at me, and he got this big grin on his face. He gave me a hug. He said, Doc, you're right. I'm not ready when I come up. I'm just thinking negative. I'm, my mind's in the wrong place. I said, well, tonight, why don't you visualize yourself in the box before you get up there? See yourself swinging against this pitcher. When in the on-deck circle, especially... And you're watching the pitcher pitch, visualize yourself in the in the batter's box. That night he went two for four, including the game, including the game winning double in the eighth inning. And after the game, he came over and said, "Listen, I got to talk with you more because that really made a big difference. I had the right mindset when I went up there tonight because I was prepared." I said, "Right." You know, for years, Nick Lowry, the former Chiefs kicker whose record was just tied last week by Harrison Bucker twice in one game, kicking a 58-yard field goal. You know, Nick worked with me for 14 years, and he was a co-host of this show for several years with me. We talked about visualization. And when the Chiefs would go on the road, he would usually be one of the first players at the stadium, and he would get out there early and visualize kicking field goals starting at like the 15-yard line and going back to where he kicking from almost 60 yards and do it the opposite direction because you know, every stadium is different. I mean, the football field's the same, but the stadium is different. So the visualization, the, the, what he's looking at is different. So he would visualize that. 
and he would get into that routine. Now, you know, when he retired, he was the most accurate kicker in football history in 1996. That's 24 years ago. But there's a reason for that. One of the reasons was he would get himself focused and prepared before games. And when he'd go out and kick, and he talked about this on this show many times, his focus was, I've got to make the kick to win or I can't miss this. It was like, okay, it's a 43-yard kick. The wind's blowing right to left. What do I have to do? And he'd get himself in that mindset, how do I make the kick? He'd visualize it before he kick. And you watch like the Chiefs, Harrison Bucker looks like he does the same thing. He visualizes the kicks. You see, and you see a lot of kickers, you know, they'll put their hand up in front of their face, like lining up to kick. That's what they're doing. They're lining up where they want to kick it. It's visualization. It's picturing in your mind. Successful athletes have a mental preparation routine. Successful coaches teach their athletes successful mental preparation routines. So I'd like to hear from you. If you are a coach, what do you do to get your team ready to play? If you're an athlete, you want to talk about how you get prepared to play. I'd love to hear from you. What do you do to get your mind ready to play? So Blake, you played football for a long time. And from what you told me, you were pretty good. I take your word at it. (laughs) I like to think so. (laughs) So what did you do to get prepared, if anything, mentally before a game what'd you do you know what's funny is i uh and for all you listening excuse my voice it's been a it's been a long weekend um one of the things that i did and, and this was absolute routine every single game i wasn't a very superstitious guy I didn't do you know double knot the laces didn't do you know certain you know steps and routines and eat eating certain meals but i always took a nap before game like right before the game Okay, okay, uh, that's interesting because I'm going to mention a, a, an NFL Hall of Famer once told me he did that, but, but when when did you take the nap? Uh, so pretty much it would be about an hour and a half to two hours right before the game. Usually you're getting ready in the locker room. Usually you're kind of... Um, you know, getting all your getting all your getting all your equipment together for the, for the game. And what I would do is I would get my equipment together really quick and then take the next 40 minutes to an hour to just sleep. And... A lot of guys I talked to said they, they couldn't do that. Like They're like, how can you sleep? You know, I'm getting ready for the game. And I said, honestly, it puts me into a zone of total um, just bliss. Like, hey, I'm washing everything away right now. And then as soon as I wake up, it's go time. When I wake up, the, the, flip, the switch has been flipped. Sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, give me a call and let's talk. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. 
If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hope you're having a good morning. And we're talking today about mental preparation. How do you get prepared to compete? If you're an athlete, what do you do mentally to get ready to play your, your sport? Maybe you're a runner going out on a run. Maybe you're a tennis player. Maybe you're a golfer. Maybe you're a soccer player. 
Maybe you're, you're on a team. Maybe you're in an individual sport. Doesn't matter. What do you do mentally to get ready to play? Do you have a consistent routine that you use, that you work through? If you're a coach, how do you get your team mentally prepared for competition? Do you try to fire them up? Do you try to calm them down? What if you have some kids that, on your team that need to get fired up and some kids on your team that need to calm down? How do you know how to balance that out? You know, I always say a good coach is a good psychologist. A bad coach needs to talk to a sports psychologist. And if you're a good coach, I think you're going to take the time to understand your kids and try to work through that. So I mentioned performance anxiety before. Okay, why do people get nervous? What, what is performance anxiety? Where you get up tight in a high-pressure situation and, and you basically choke. And it doesn't have to be in sports. It could be in anything. Maybe you're giving a speech. Maybe you've got a big speech to give. Important speech. Maybe it's a job, a job interview. Do you take the time to visualize in your mind, go through in your mind how it's going to go? Take the time to see yourself and imagine how you're going to feel. It's such an important component of this. You know, we're seeing more and more today athletes at the highest level, the professional Olympic levels, talk about preparation and visualization. And now today, especially with sports being in such a unique time with very few, if any, fans in stands, the concerns about the pandemic, the virus, all these different issues going on, taking the time to actually allow yourself to mentally prepare to play is maybe more important than ever to get yourself in that relaxed state. So once again, if you're an athlete or a coach, I'd love to hear from you about what do you do to get ready? What do you do mentally to get ready to go out and play that tennis match, to play that golf match? Maybe you've got that big golf match coming up. You're playing in a championship match. And you're playing against a couple guys you know are better than you, but you've been playing well. Is your focus on the fact that they're better than you or is your focus on yourself and what you have to do? People who get performance anxiety, get uptight in high-pressure situations, oftentimes think too much. They worry too much. You know, if you're, if you're a thinker, you're going to worry. And I get all these young athletes that come in my office that talk to me about being perfectionists. You know, do, do you want to win? Yeah. Do you want to come in first? Yes. Well, okay, most people who play sports do. But how important is that? Well, it's the most important thing, Doc. I need to win all the time. Well, no one wins all the time. You're not going to come in first all the time. So how do you handle that situation? Getting relaxed, focusing on your breathing, you know, that, that's one of the key things. You know, we hear, as I said earlier, we hear so much about mindfulness today. And the key to being in that state is going through in your mind what you do. You know, several years ago, Will Shields, the Hall of Fame offensive lineman for the Kansas City Chiefs, was on the show. And Will talked about, mentioned on the show, before a game, he would take a quick 15, 10, 15 minute nap before the team came out on the field for the game. Now, you're sitting there thinking, NFL players taking a nap before a game? 
He said guys didn't quite understand why I did it, but he did. He said it just got me ready to play. Taking the time to prepare mentally is is maybe now so more important than ever in light of the societal things going on, all the distractions going on. How you focus, how you get yourself in the right mindset has a lot to do with how you get your mind ready to play. So once again, I'd love to hear if I'd love to hear if you're a coach what do you do to get your team ready? And you have a variety of kids on your team, young girls, young boys, young men, young women. How do you get them mentally prepared for a game? Let's say you're a basketball player at the University of Kansas. And in normal times, Allen Fieldhouse is sold out. It's raucous. It's loud. It's crazy. Years ago when I worked with the team I in the 1980s under Coach Larry Brown, I, I was sat at the end of the bench and one of the things he asked me to do is make sure everybody's calmed down during the game. We don't get too hyped up. And you play in a stadium like that, in an arena like that, where it's loud and it's crazy, you can get really over-anxious, over-stressed, overworked, and you've got to get into that mindset. And I know a lot of athletes have told me, you know, I try not to think about the crowd. I try not to get caught up in all that. I try to just focus on me. And that comes to this issue. I think the really, really good athletes, when they're competing, are very selfish. And what I mean by that is not that they're a selfish person off the field, but when they're on the field, they're really focusing on themselves. They have to get into that mindset. So Blake, when you played football, you played against some pretty good guys, and I know you were pretty good yourself, or at least that's what you tell us. Okay, and I believe you. <laughs> but... The guys that were really good, did, did, did you see that in them? They, there was like a, a mindset they had in terms of how they seemed to approach themselves on the field. Oh, yeah. And it was funny because everybody kind of went about it a little bit differently. Some people were selfish, but they were still good teammates. Some people were selfish in the fact that they wanted to perform really well, and it, and it sometimes um, didn't allow them to, to operate in a great team manner. Because they wanted to win, and I get it. Like I, I do understand. Sometimes it could be too negative, but um, there was definitely plenty of different, um, pl- plenty of different athletes that I played with that were selfish in one way or another. As far as, hey, this is my time. Don't be messing around. Don't be. Don't be doing something that's going to screw me up. To to uh, underperform for this game. Don't be talking to me too much. Some guys didn't like joking around. You know, I I was pretty lighthearted when it came to you know, I wasn't extremely serious because that's just not how I roll. Um, I like to be in the game, but I like to also be having fun. I'm always having fun with the game, so I was never the guy who was like, "Hey, don't talk to me." I, I understand, but don't talk to me right now. But there were some guys that were, and they were very focused. You know, I I think going back on my work in the past, and I'm I'm, I'm thinking through. Like when I worked with the Royals, I would watch, back in 1990, I watched George Brett win his third batting title. And early in the year, he wasn't doing very well, and then he pulled it together and came on like gangbusters and, and won his third batting title. In fact, won it on his last at-bat. We were in Cleveland, and he pinch hit, had a sacrifice fly, and then his next at-bat got a single. And on the flight home, we found out he'd beaten Ricky Henderson by just mere percentage points and won his third batting title. But George went through a routine... And I know visualization was a big part of what he did. In fact, he and I talked about that a lot. He took the time 
And I know, I watched him. I mean, he would do this every day. He had a routine. Um, I've watched some great athletes throughout my years. Tom Gordon, who had the major league record for 54 saves in a row. And he's been on the show with me many times. We talked about how he had a routine, a mental routine before games that he would go into as a closer. He wouldn't go down to the bullpen till the sixth or seventh inning. He'd watch the game in in the locker room. He'd visualize the guys he's pitching to. And he would take the time to prepare mentally what it would be like to be on that on that field. And in pregames, depending wherever they, we were, he'd, he'd go on the pitcher's mound and just visualize himself out there pitching. So taking the time to visualize is so important. And that's one thing I want to get into in our last segment here today. And I'd love to hear from you. If you're a coach, how do you get your team ready to play? And if you're an athlete, do you have a mental routine? Do you have a mental preparation routine? I'd love to hear from you and find out what you, th- you do on that. If you have a routine or if you don't. And if you don't have a routine, why don't you? You know, you physically stretch before a game, but do you mentally stretch before a game? It gets you mentally prepared to play. Well, give me a call and let's talk. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. (gasps) Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step. 
but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB. I'm here every week talking about the mental side of sports. Today's topic is mental preparation. How do you get prepared to play your sport? Do you have a consistent mental preparation routine? If you do, I'd love to hear from you and see what it is. You know, it's it, it. Research has found that athletes who visualize and picture themselves in their event beforehand, seeing themselves successfully completing their event, seeing themselves deal with adversity, have an eighty to ninety percent greater chance of success than athletes who don't. So do you actually take some time to get mentally ready? If you listen to the great athletes who make it to the professional level, and I've talked for years about if you play sports at the collegiate or professional level anymore, you're a survivor because you survived the crazed youth sports world. And let's face it, youth sports has become such a huge business and we've got athletes, kids starting at three and four years of age, which to me, as I've said many times, I think it's ridiculous to get kids on teams at that age. You should just let them go out and play and have fun and don't worry about being on a team. But you make it to the collegiate or professional level, you've survived all that stuff. You survived the, the wacko coaches screaming and yelling at you, parents going ballistic on the sidelines, and you've somehow gotten to this level. <clears throat> and you listen to interviews as I do with a lot of these male and female athletes. It doesn't matter what their sex is because they're, they're all the same. They take the time to visualize. And Kansas City Chiefs, obviously, we're in Kansas City, and most people here are Chiefs fans since they did win the Super Bowl this past year. And Tyrone Matthew, the, the Chiefs' all-pro safety, was interviewed many times last year. Never met him, but he talked a lot about going home throughout the week and visualizing playing in the game against their upcoming opponent, visualizing the offense, the quarterback, the receivers, the running backs, how they, they would run their routes, how the quarterback would play. And he talked about it a lot how he visualized and that really made a difference for him. And if you listen to most athletes today, they talk about this. LeBron James, you know, endorses the mindfulness app about going out and getting prepared. So if you take the time 
to focus on yourself and get prepared and not just not just about winning but how do you deal with adversity how do you deal with failure how do you deal with negativity that will make a big difference for you in terms of your competition I'd love to hear from you just get your thought on what do you have a mental preparation routine you know you'll find that the athletes who succeed will usually talk about having some kind of a mental game plan of getting ready to play and it starts with and so so to, to me if you're a football player for example you know you play one game a week so you've got some time throughout the week to get into a routine to get ready to play and you should probably start visualizing and thinking about it on Wednesday or Thursday I mean if you play games you know every couple days you know the night before is a good time and then before your game, take some time before a game. Let, let's say you've got a game after school. Let's say you're a high school athlete. Because I know a lot of high school athletes listen to our podcasts. You know, you've got to go straight from class to your game. And I'm not telling you in class to uh, not be concentrating, but maybe you need to take a little time to get yourself prepared, thinking about it. And then on the way there, assuming you're on, the, on a bus or a van, Take some time to just, in your mind, see yourself playing in the game. And visualize success and failure. Visualize yourself, if things aren't going well, how am I going to come back from that? Visualize yourself, if things are going well, how are you going to keep that going? It's so important, I think, to do that. So, Blake, let me ask you this question. Did you ever, when you played football, did you ever visualize yourself? Or did, did, did you take the time to see yourself making plays and did that at those plays actually happen yeah i mean i would usually do it the night before so i I talked about how i would take a nap before the game and i would do that during my nap but that was more of a decompression period the night at night the night before is when i would usually go over different plays that were specifically set up throughout the week different routes visualizing watching the ball all the way through my hands um because i played wide receiver so catching the ball was obviously kind of important uh so watching the ball all the way in tucking it turning visualizing the field um with and without players i mean knowing where you are in relation to the sideline knowing where you are in relation to your routes where you are in relation to the to you know 5 10 15 yard routes so you know and then and then visualizing hey if a defender's here and uh, and I come back for a hitch and they're on my inside am I turning outside or inside am I stutter stepping what am I doing as far as with my head fake you know so everything as far as what you would try to go through in an actual game setting so in the course of a football game you're going to make a mistake here or there it's just part yes. of the game so having a mindset on how you're going to react to that mistake is so very very important do you think you did that fairly well i mean if you dropped a pass or got a penalty or something like that you know let's face it no very there are some people who do like failing but it most people don't and so if you screw up how do you react to that you know and so that's part of the visualization plan is i always tell, tell athletes to visualize success and failure meaning picture in your mind if you screw up how are you going to react to that? How are you going to respond to that? How are you going to come back from that? Which to me is just as important as visualizing yourself doing well. 
Well, especially when you think, you know, if you've only visualized yourself doing well, if as soon as you do make a mistake, you do, you haven't thought about it yet. So then you might get stuck on that thought. Well, if you've already envisioned, hey, there might be a time where I drop a pass. And you know what I got to do? I got to have a short memory. And so luckily for me, you know, one of the one of the benefits of having ADD is you do have a short memory. So <laughs> uh, I I was never a guy uh, who harped on my ADHD <laughs> for you. But the- <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I was never a guy that really harped on, like, if I made a mistake, I was always quick, you know, short memory, get to the next play, um, make something happen. Yeah, I mean, when I worked with the University of Kansas basketball team back in the 80s, we we led the Big 8, both the men's and women's teams led the Big 8 in free throw shooting, and one of the things we did was we had a, a, a routine, you know, everybody did their own thing to get ready, but I encouraged them all before they step up the line to visualize the ball going through the hoop, and Calvin Thompson will always have the Big 8 record for consecutive three throws because there's no more big eight but he we went through a routine and he's been on the show before years past where we talked about a, a routine when he'd shoot a free throw he'd step back at the top of the key visualize the ball going in the cylinder step up and get the ball from the ref do whatever bounces and things take a breath and shoot it and he would go through that routine in practice many times and i think that's so important is taking the time you know, we, we can sit here and talk to we're blue in the face about visualization, but visualization is picturing in your mind how you like things to go. But picturing how you're going to react to success and failure it goes both ways. And I think it's important if you want to, you know, today more than ever, as, I, as I've said throughout the show, with the scenario in life that we have now with, with the, the coronavirus and everything going on and all the the, the angst going on. When you go to play your game, you need to escape from all that and you need to get your focus on what you're doing. And it's so very, very important to have a game plan, have a mental game plan. First and foremost, to have fun. If you go out there with the game plan, I'm going to have fun today. Picture yourself, see yourself in the game, see yourself in your competition, having fun, doing well. It's going to increase your chances of success and you'll walk off that playing field, that golf course, that pool, that baseball diamond, feeling good about yourself. I'm sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hope you enjoy our topic today. Our shows are podcasted here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. They're podcasted on SoundCloud, on my website, winnersunlimited.com, on Apple iTunes. And if you've got some young athletes, encourage them to listen to this. I know a lot of people find it helpful. You can get a hold of me several ways. You can reach me at my office, which is 816-561-5556. Follow me on Twitter at drjsportspsych. And my website's winnersunlimited.com. Have a great week. Stay well. Picture yourself doing your sport. And most importantly, have fun. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist... With 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. 
If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Olivia from Washington. Laid off and trying to keep our little kids from realizing that mommy and daddy haven't eaten in a while. Roger from California. I'm grateful we could afford our son's surgery. I'm nervous that now we can't really afford food. Daniel from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Donna from Louisiana. The storm just hit, and we went from donating to the food bank to needing it. Keisha from South Carolina. I've been skipping meals so my two kids can eat, but filling up on water doesn't really work. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by End Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council.